What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Tip of the Cap podcast. I, as always, am Derek Joswiak, and with me today, all the way from Dallas, Texas, but currently in Clearwater, is Jake Lindmeyer. Lindmeyer, right? I said that right? Yeah, that's all right. right. All right, uh, Jake, thanks for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your, uh, you know, your playing and coaching history, and we'll go from there. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, originally from Central Wisconsin, told myself as soon as I'm out of high school, I'm getting out of the cold. I uh, had to take a break on that. Ended up at a junior college in Minneapolis my freshman year. Um, didn't really fit the program. I just looked, hey, they're a good school. That's where I want to be. End up transferring out my sophomore year, going to a school that recruited me out of high school, um, another junior college in Milwaukee. Finished there, played in a couple summer leagues, ended up at Jarvis Christian College in East Texas, um, NAI school. Loved it, had an absolute blast, got my goal of getting south of the Mason-Dixon line to play. Um, played in a summer league down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Loved it, wanted to move back as soon as my playing career was over. I did, that's when I got into coaching. I got hooked up at Kaiser University under Jeremy Kennedy. Um, was there for the year, figured figured out that I wasn't ready to be a coach, hadn't given up the playing yet, wasn't good enough to be a player um, past the collegiate level, but I just took the break of, hey, I'm going to get out of this. So that's where my story kind of differs than the absolute grind that everybody goes through. Um, took a couple years off, got back into the youth side of it um, down there, and I was working in the hospitality industry, kind of bouncing back and forth, doing both. Um, and then the hospitality industry moves me to Dallas, where I am now. Leave there about eight months into me being into Dallas and got back into coaching. Got hooked up with TCS postgrad. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a couple academies up there by you um, that are kind of similar. It's a one-year postgrad program, plays against junior colleges in the area. Really good opportunity for guys that, aren't quite ready to get into the college game, don't have the opportunities that they're looking for. It gives them kind of an insight of what the college game has to offer. There for a year, loved it, got hooked up to where I am now, where I'm director of ops for baseball with Foundation Performance Academy. Um, we got a couple high school teams. We run uh, youth camps. We run lessons out of there all the time, and that's where I'm at now. Awesome. And now uh... – but through our conversation, you were telling me that uh, basically you're big on just helping youth and high school athletes, you know, understand what it takes to get to that next level and take the next step in their playing career, right? Yeah. So the the way I run our 17 U team, uh, and then I oversee the other teams. But the way I run it is I run I run our practices a lot like a college would. Very fast paced, very informative. Hey, it's on our guys. I'm going to let you make your mistakes. I'm going to let you teach yourself. I'm going to be there as more of a guide because the the way these kids have it now, they have every tool they need in the palm of their hand, whether they have an iPhone or Android or whatever they have. They can go on YouTube or Google and find anybody swing, anybody fielding mechanics, any coach they want, and they're going to teach themselves. So I, I act more as a guide. Hey, what do you know? What are you trying to do? And then let's – but see if it works or, hey, this doesn't work, but here's why. And now we have answers to why. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do with our high school guys, I talk to them about the recruiting side of it because I've been a player through it. I've been a coach doing it. I'm now a coach helping guys get recruited. Um, 
I tell them, hey, that school's not interested in you. Or, hey, you're interested in that school? Go get in front of them. And this is how we do it. But it, it's more of, hey, I'm not going to hand everything to you. If you show me this is what you want to do, let's do it. Awesome. I think, especially, you know, around in this area, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of misconception about stuff like that, you know, where you got guys that are trying to maybe force an issue too much, um, or, you know, especially the guys that see, you know, see stuff on social media and are, I don't want to say afraid of it, but almost afraid of it. You know, they, they see different ideas, different concepts. Um, you know, I could tell you when I first got into coaching and the high school ranks around here, that was a conversation that me and the guy that I work with, who we work very well together. Um, you know, we often say like, we're telling the same story by two different authors. We're saying the same thing, but we might be using different words and it actually helps us help our kids understand. Cause if there's something I'm saying, you know, he might be able to say it in a different way if they're not getting it and vice versa. And, you know, to, to say that you're willing to, you know, to see, have these kids come and say, I saw this, or I, you know, did this, or I'm doing this and, you know, figure out whether or not that works and how to apply it or make adjustments so it can work or work better. I think is fantastic. You know, that's, that's big on that growth growth mindset we you know we coaches tend to talk about quite a bit well yeah and like the thing is i i was a player under the swing down era i i got brought up in that and then when i got to college i was part of the group that was talking rotational versus linear and then right at my senior year is when all the data driven stuff really started coming out so i've played under all three levels i understand what guys are trying to talk about so i try to take bits and pieces from what I learned from the guys that have been coaching at that top level of swing down forever. And now they're trying to learn it as well. Um, as far as what we're trying to do. And the big, the big one that we really had a lot of success with is you hear guys talk about being on plane and Ted Williams talked about it. Who's probably the arguably the greatest hitter ever. And he talked about being on plane. Well, if you do any sort of geometry, if, a pit, if an average pitcher is six foot tall, he's standing about eight, 18 inches up in the air. He's going from about seven six, and they're told to just bust the knees at what a foot and a half off the ground itself. So if you do any sort of geometry, find the slope of that line, it is coming back up. So you hear all these guys talk about, oh, you're teaching launching. Oh no, I'm teaching be on plane. And if you look at that plane, that plane's coming back up. So our swing should come back up a little bit, but how we get there is where the definitive stuff gets into right and now that actually uh that's actually a great segue into uh one of the topics that we had discussed prior that we're going to talk about is you know approach to hitting and you know that entire concept and you know i'm very very interested to hear what you have to say and to get you know get some info out there because this is this is a subject i've yet to talk about on the podcast you know we've talked i've talked to a lot of guys a lot of program stuff a lot of you know, I've talked to a couple guys about weight room things. This is one of the first, like, baseball technique or philosophy things that we're really diving into. So I'm excited, you know, I'm excited to dig into this one with you. Yeah, I mean, if, just going off hitting, I mean, every human nature is the fall into tendencies. We, we want to get ahead. We want to do things right. We want to do this. Let's talk about the high school game. What are we taught 95% of the time to do throwing a fastball? Throw it away, right? Right. At, at the high school level, you're so afraid to come in. Well, why don't we teach our hitters to look for that pitch? And the, the problem I, I see across the board, and I was taught it, is that outside 
pitch has to go the other way. It has to be driven the other way. And then what happens is kids start belaying the ball the other way. Well, if you look at Mike Trout, who's probably the best hitter in baseball right now, his money pitch, the ball that he goes deep on all the time, is that outside pitch. We call it a 5-6 ball in a 7-ball setup. He's hitting an outside pitch, and he's going left center, hitting the fountain out in left field all day long with that pitch. So it's more, uh, I saw a thing on Twitter the other day is, why are we letting pitches dictate to where we're hitting the ball? Why don't we set ourselves up for advantage of, hey, let's hammer this ball where we want to. So if we want to hit an outside fastball, but we want to pull the ball a little bit, let's get up on the plate and beg him to throw it over the plate or try and back us off. We know we're trying to go full side, so we got to be on time for it. Let's be ready to hit and go hammer it. The, I mean, and then you get into the off speed, the negative counts. High school pitchers are so stupid when it comes to it, and it, it's nobody's fault. It's just what we've always been doing. You you look at guys that you keep charts on guys. If they get in a negative count, 0-1, 0-2, they're going to be throwing off speed. It, it's just what happens because that's what they think has to happen to get guys out. And when I tell my hitters, hey, let's sit off speed. If you can foul off a fastball, great. If, if you can hammer a curveball, you're going to demoralize a high school kid. Yeah. I mean, so, absolutely. Uh, without, without question. It's, uh, you know, it, it, as you're saying this, like I I call pitches for my team in high school, and it, a lot of it has to do with, you know, I, I'll watch kids call games, and I'm watching, you know, they have something set up, and they actually go – I'll, actually, I'll watch a kid go back to something that he just threw, and I'm like, that's not the, that's not the place for that. The kid's now looking for that, and more often than not, I see, you know, rope to double. So I work with my catchers in pitch calling, and that again, I'm so, that's something I'm getting ahead of myself. Something we something else we're going to talk about today, but you know, from the hitting side of it, like, you know, looking, I, I love the mental side of that. I love the mental. It's almost a chess match between a hitter and a pitcher saying. Hey, you know, this is what you've set me up for. Is that what I'm looking for? Or are you smart enough to say he's looking for that? I'm not going there. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you watch a major league game and you watch a guy take three fastballs right down the middle of the plate. You're like, what is this guy looking for? He's looking off speed there. So you take your cap, the guy beats you. Hey, there you go. You won. But the problem is guys try to hit every pitch. And a lot of the stuff that I do with hitters and talk with them of, hey, you have an OO fastball or you have an OO count and you pop up on a curveball or you pop up on a fastball. You just missed it. Is that what you were looking for? Because you just wasted in that bat. So a lot of the stuff that I do is, hey, let's look at quality at bat. Let's look at what we're trying to do. Another thing I look at is, is the kid a base clogger, or can he just steal bags like it's going out of style? I mean, if, you, if you're if you a doubles hitter and you're going to waste my time with you on first base where I have to bunch you over, I have to do a hit and run to get you to second base, you do mean absolutely no good on first base. So I would rather you try and put the ball out of the ballpark or try and hit a double off the wall and stand on second base than you hitting a duck part first single over the first baseman. You do me no good over that. But now I have a kid that's a 6'7", 6'8", runner that we've worked base running. We we know how to steal bases. 
where I can have you steal 30 bags in a 15-16 game season. No, put the ball in play, get on base, and now you can turn it into a double. So it really depends on the type of hitter you have, what you're trying to do with them. But I I refuse the cookie cut guys because you got a guy that's 6'1", 6'2", 250 versus a guy that's 5'8", 160 pounds soaking wet. They're not going to have the same swing. You'd hope not, at least. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I I love talking the philosophy side of this because I I guarantee you there will be people who listen to this and go, you'd rather have a guy try to put it out than get out, you know, than fight one off and get on first. And again, it's it, it it's a coaching philosophy thing. I I guarantee you there will be guys that'll tell you, listen, man, that's nuts. I I want I want runners on as often as possible. Well, yeah, great, but if the guy behind you hits a gap shot that you're only getting a second base on. Now we're playing station to station baseball and the science will tell you, I got to have a lot more base hits to get that guy in. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is like base running is huge to me. And I know we kind of touched on that when we were talking before the podcast, I steal so much and it. I don't give the sign to steal. Um, bigger guys know they have to be a little bit more inept when it comes to it, whether it's reading a ball in dirt, getting a timing play going, a delayed steal, catching them sleeping, that type of stuff. But we're, we're always moving. I, I stole third probably 15, 20 times last summer. We tried to steal home five or six. Like, it, if guys are going to give us bases, I'm going to take them. And it, it stands out, especially when you're playing showcase ball where you've got coaches coming to see you. You steal third base standing up or you read a ball in dirt, or you get a timing read and take off, and the catcher doesn't even have a chance to throw it, that's huge in a coach's eyes. Because I remember sitting at a ball field watching guys play, and it just gets boring watching the high school game because it's so slow. And it's not their fault. They've just never played at that faster level. So you sit there and watch a guy, and the kid's a U guy all day long in a UCLA chart, and they're not taking advantage of it, but yet kid smashes a double, after you got a guy on, on first, and now you're sitting second to third, station to station like you're talking about, where he could have been on second, you could just, just score a run. So that's a lot of the stuff that I talk with our guys, trying to understand the next level game. I don't care if we win or lose it. We're going to win, we're going to lose. We're, we're going to run into a dude. It, it doesn't matter at that level. But if they learn, hey, I can steal 30 bags in a year, I, I can hit a double, or I can hit and run I can go gap shot rather than just throwing the ball to the right side that type of stuff plays at the next level absolutely yeah I think uh it's funny like I'm here to talk like oh you know stealing third stealing home stuff like that I'm going I miss coaching summer ball because I used to do that stuff all the time when I was a third base coach and that was yeah I I love the aggressive side of it I love the you know and, and from a you know from a high school coaching standpoint I'm looking like that's things I know when we do it or when it gets done against us, puts pressure on us. You know, it, it puts exactly. it puts pressure on the other side to stop that from happening. And now you're, oh, I want it. Like, I'm, I'm in a great curveball count here, but I know that kid's going and I want to give my catcher a shot because this, my, you know, my pitcher's got a little bit little bit loopier of a curveball and it, that kid's going to get a great jump off second. I, want, I don't want him to steal, so now I feed this kid a fastball. Oh, that guy's not going double to the gap. Now I'm in trouble and... You know, it puts pressure on things, and it's 
it's definitely something that you can tell when teams and players do it well, and you can tell when they, when they don't. And you're right, it's, it's a pace of play thing that when you've seen it, you know it, but if you haven't seen it, you don't really, it, it doesn't click. Exactly. Like, I, I had a kid this or this fall, we're playing in a fall league game, and I, I give them, the pitcher's looking at them one time, every single time. Every single time. And I look at him, and I tell him, hey, he's looking at you once. Let's go. As soon as he turns his head, take off. Well, his coach calls him out on visit. He had the base stolen once. We had a foul ball. Coach calls him out on visit. Know exactly what he tells him. Hey, change up your looks. So I look at our kid. I said, he's going to look at you twice. As soon as he looked at you twice, go. And he had it stolen. He looks at me. He goes, how'd you know he was going to look twice? Well, because pitchers are stupid. You tell a kid to, hey, Change up your look. Oh, I'm looking at him once. I'm going to look at him twice. We're not stupid. We know exactly what you do. Right. So it, it, it comes down to, hey, let's slow the game down. Let's learn it. And then let's use it to our advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I think a lot of that gets lost with younger, younger age groups, even up into the high school ranks of, you know, kids... Kids and I can tell you this from experience. You know, kids end up being so robotic about things, and you know, I've we've been fortunate enough to have. Well, they want to win. They yeah. want to win a ring, or they want to win a trophy, or and parents and coaches do the same thing. They they don't want them to learn anything. I mean, think about it. As, as a high school coach, you have a freshman walk onto your field, and he knows how to do a delayed steal, a fake steal. He knows timing plays, and you don't have to teach him that. Think about how much more you get to teach him in the four years rather than, hey, this is how you get your lead. This is how we take our first step. This is how you read a dirt ball. Like, that, that is, and I look at these top high school programs, they don't have to teach those kids anything. They've already learned it. Yeah, I mean, and I've, I've, I've seen kids come into high school, try out for a baseball team that don't know how to hold a bat. Exactly. So, I mean, it's in a lot of it is, you know, it's a it's a weird combination of that. Well, it's worked for him, so do I fix it because it's worked for him, or do I like do I wait till it hits the point where it no longer works, and then we got to fix it, you know? And well, and and that's where it gets fun because, like, I look at a guy like Hunter Pence. I'm never going to teach a kid to hit like him, right? But you'd be stupid to say, hey, he's a terrible hitter because he's had a 15 year big league career. Absolutely. So it it it, it comes down to can you is it broken enough that it only works at this level or is it just what he does? I mean, you look at a guy like Lincecum that throws way over the top. That doesn't work for everybody, but it works for him. Yeah. Worked very, very well for him for a long time. Yeah. So that that's where it gets interesting, but that's where I like to talk a lot of approach because once these guys get to college, their, their coaches are going to change them. They're going to do stuff. They're going to, they're going to make them fit their program. But right. that's what I talk about with, with our guys when we're talking about the recruiting process. Are they going to let you fit into the program or are they going to make you fit into the program? Because if they make you fit into the program, you don't fit their program right now. So, yeah, it would be awesome to wear the Vanderbilt uniform or the St. John's uniform or whatever it is. But do you fit their program? Because you're going to sit on the bench for four three years, maybe play your senior year, maybe get 10 at bats a year, where you go to a junior college, learn the JUCO life, 
and then go just go with a chip on your shoulder, you could be a ten times better player. Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny you mention that. I you know I had the fortunate ability of coaching a uh, young man for three of four, three out of a four his four years in high school. Um, he ended up being our starting shortstop as a sophomore and never looked back. Ended up going to the University of Buffalo, who at the time had a Division One program, and his fourth year going into his fifth year, uh, the University of Buffalo cut their baseball program, which was devastating for the area. You know, when we you lose a big yeah. a, a D1 program like that, that that really it really hurts. He had the fortunate ability of the year prior going down south and playing against Sam Houston, and. Coach Deggs saw him, liked him, so when his like when UB shut down, that was one of the first phone calls he got was like, "Hey, I want you to come play for me." Everything I've you know seen seen about you, you seem like our kind of guy. And me and me and uh, kid's name is Ben Hafner. Me and Ben talk about it all the time about how it was just a different culture there. But he walked in and he fit right in because he was a blue collar, hard working kid, just nose to the grindstone and get it done, and. You know, there he said flat out. He goes, there were a couple of the programs he could have went to, but he he didn't know if he would fit in, and he wanted to be one of the boys, not just another guy. And exactly. it was it was a exactly. huge huge thing for him. It was you know it's it's great to talk to kids like that and guys like that that have lived through it, and then to hear it you know obviously from somebody halfway across the country from me is great too. Yeah, no, I mean I I look at guys. Oh, do you want her bus? Well, let let's look at it. The the Minnesota Gophers played the Twins, and they lost 12-2. to 2. I think it was Friday. But you had Florida's uh, Southeastern University, which is a top NAIA program. Dinko runs that program phenomenally. They took the Tigers into the uh, into the ninth. It was 4-4. They actually missed a uh, sack bunt, and the next kid hit a double. That would have put them up in the top of the ninth. But they were winning most of the game. <laughs> so D- D1 doesn't matter. It, yes, you want to play. Yes, you want to play on TV. Yes, you want the opportunity to say you play D1 baseball. But I, I look at the NAI world. I look at those guys, and I mean, I was one of those guys. I wouldn't want to play them. Just the chip on their shoulder, whether it's the grades, whether they got overlooked. Those guys, when they get the chance to play, um, I think actually in uh, two weeks, uh, St. Thomas down in Miami is actually going up to LSU to play at the box. And I would not be surprised if St. Thomas pulls that game out. Really? It's just, it, 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 it's not, and people overlook it. But, I mean, there's guys at D2. The guy I played for in high school was a D3 All-American, got drafted. His dad's uh, in professional baseball coaching. His brother's in professional baseball coaching. You don't have to go D1 to play at that next level. Go work somewhere you fit in and you can flourish. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of like planting, you know, planting a seed in the, in a type of dirt that it's not going to grow. You know, you, you exactly. can't you can't expect to put a certain type of seed in, you know, that doesn't grow in acidic soil and expect it to be a great crop. And this is the same thing. You can't go to a program that isn't going to fit you, the type of player you are, your personality, your you know, their style of play versus the style of player you are. You know, that that's not something you change overnight. No, absolutely. And it, it just comes down to, hey, uh, I mean, yes, the Astros are dealing with all the scandal, but five years ago, they were the only ones with technology in professional baseball. 
now every year there's college coaches getting yanked from programs to, hey, we want you in minor league baseball. We want you working with the technology. If you guys know what you're doing with it, let's go do it. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was that was a good good portion of my entire uh, conversation with my last guest, uh, Jason Amenkis, you know, was talking about the technology side of things and how you've seen a hard shift in the pros and, you know, you're seeing a lot of colleges and stuff and you get the old school guys who are angry that, you know, some, some guy who's good with a computer is taking the job of a coach that has been in the game for 20 years because of the change, you know, the changing of the guard and that's making some people angry. But I, you know what I adding, I think you need a bit of the old school still, but I, you know, technology isn't going to kill the game by any means. Well, I mean, old school is always going to play. There's always going to be some aspect of it that plays. But I, I look at it as base, baseball is so far behind when it comes to technology and data. I mean, golf, they've been using Rapsodo and TrackMan for the last 15 years. You, you can go pick one of those up for five, 600 bucks, brand new, and use it with your golf game. I mean, Blast Motion has golf sensors. So they've been using it forever. And why wouldn't you? It's, it's like the way I talk to guys is if you're taking a test right now and you can use a study guide to give you 90% of the answers, are you going to take 90% of the answers off memory or are you going to use the study guide? You're absolutely using the study guide. Exactly, because I have the answers. Hey, this is what you're doing. Now, if, if your mechanical issues aren't the problem, now we know it's the mental side of it. So we don't have to fix anything, but we still have the data saying you're doing it correctly. You're just not visibly doing it. And that's where the eye test, the old school comes in of what you're looking at. I mean, let's, let's talk about it. When you're, hit, when you're talking with your hitters about what they're looking at, what, what do you tell them to look at as far as looking at a picture they're at the plate? What are they supposed to look at? Uh, we, we tell our guys at the high school that they go from a soft focus to a hard focus, that when they step in the box, they look up, they soft focus on the pitcher as a whole, and as soon as he starts his motion, their eyes lock to his throwing hand to pick up the ball as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, and that and that's actually a newer technique. I mean, you got guys telling you, hey, look through his throwing box or look at his ball in his cap or his glove or whatever. I, I teach a very similar thing. I, I give guys two options to start and then if it, either of them work we'll, we'll go to the drawing board and we'll find something else i tell guys to gaze out in the outfield and i actually learned this from a former minor leaguer uh, nico taylor he was with the uh, blue jays for five years he played out of northwood he went to arizona out of high school um and gaze out in the outfield start in left center go to right center and then slowly come down because you can see the visual movement of a pitcher and if you pull it down into his throwing arm, you'll be able to pick it up a little bit sooner. And if you can't work down to up or up to down, we'll work down to up where, hey, let's gaze down at the middle of the infield, not looking at him at all, and then slowly bring him up. But just soft focus to hard focus is tough because, again, they're looking in one spot. Yes, they're regazing and relocating their eyes, but if they're not moving them, they do get, they still get tense. Um, but, but one drill I'll do with guys off a tee is, hey, look at the back of the cage and swing. Put it, put a tee up, take one swing, look at it, and then look at the back of the cage and swing. See if you can make contact. Because a lot of guys think, hey, I have to see the ball to hit. I have to see the ball to hit. 
Well, no, you, you have to have a good swing and see where it's pitched and hope you get lucky. Because at that 94, 95, when it's moving three and four inches, it, a lot of luck goes into the game. Right. I mean, you'd rather be rather be lucky than good nine times out of ten. But if, if we trust our swing, we can be a lot luckier and a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh... – the, the soft focus, hard focus thing that we go with is, uh, I believe that was from, uh, it was either Jeter or A-Rod. And we heard it from a one of the Yankees hitting coaches probably eight years ago, I would say. Uh, we went to a coaching yeah. clinic and we heard it. And they said what they used to do is they would stand, you know, they would stand when they were standing in the batter's box before the pitcher was in his windup uh, or in, into his delivery, they'd be looking at the label of their bat and they'd read the label of the bat and then look up and try to read one of the outfield signs. So you were adjusting to near and far, near and far, moving whole nine yards. And then when they stepped in the box, it was, you know, make sure I'm where I need to be, settle in, look up. All right, soft focus. By the time I'm soft focus, he's gotten his sign. He's about ready to go. And, you yeah. know, it was, it was a constant flow type thing. You know, obviously. Yeah, so it's the same thing. Right. So I mean, But, I mean... Going back into the approach, I mean, what what do you do at practice to really work on approach? Do you do, you do hey, we're going to work on outside fastballs? Do you get them to work on velo? Do you ever throw curveballs at them? Like, what do you do to really get them to establish, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish this week? So, usually what we'll do with our hitting portion of practice, and this is the parts where, when, you know, when I'm involved in it, this is what I see, because I do our pitchers and catchers, so there are times that I do miss some of the hitting side of things because we get okay. an, we get an hour and a half in in our facility. Um, like we'll try to get there a half hour early and find a place in the hallway to run and stretch and get warmed up before we play catch. Um, and then we'll do some conditioning or weight room t- weight room time after the fact. But that hour and a half is so is, it's varsity JV and up to two younger teams between freshmen and then seventh and eighth grade. So we're we're pretty packed in and where it's, it's a tight, you know, a tight squeeze, especially once we break down to, all right, the varsity team's doing this, the JV team's doing this because, you know, once we hit game time, you know, our, our JV and varsity teams play at the same time against, you know, home and away against the same school and the other two teams yeah. are probably somewhere else playing. So there's not a whole lot of, not as much crossover coaching as I would like, but that's just the nature of our schedule. Um, yeah. So, what we'll do is we'll say like, okay, we'll have a machine set up, pump in anywhere from, you know, 70 to 85. And we kind of pick, pick on the day, which one we're doing. Cause we're, we're going to see some guys, you know, we'll, we'll see a guy, at least two guys hovering around 90 this year. And we'll see at least two guys hovering at 68. So we got to be ready for both and everything in between. So we kind of pick and choose by the day, what our machine set at, if I'm there, I'm throwing, and I'll, you know, I'll mix in curveballs and stuff like that, you know. And I'll, I tell the kids I do that till my arm falls off, and then somebody else has to do it. But we also have a light flight machine we turn into a curveball machine, just to get used to seeing break and adjusting to pitches and stuff. And then we also do, you know, we'll do like a deep T, um, like deep T, low T, and then like I have a T up front that's way up high to stay level and through the baseball up front. I'm trying to think of a, you know, I mean, we have, we, we trade drills so often. It's not, it's hard to keep track of everything we do. No, absolutely. I mean, but that's the biggest thing. And 
that's where I think, I mean, I saw social media the other day. It was making fun of high school hitters. Oh, I hate hitting off the machine. Well, I did too. I, I absolutely hated it, but no one ever told me, hey, if you want to beat Velo, you got to compete against Velo. Your swing can be as pretty as you want it, but if you're not doing it in a game situation, you're not going to have that swing in a game situation. So a lot of the stuff that I do with guys, I'll do, I mean, short boxing. We sit in 55-foot cages. I'll stand back as far as I can, and I'll let loose as long as I can. Hey, you're trying to hit this pitch, you're, and we'll work count, we'll work situation. Hey, this guy always 0-2 throws a curveball. He, he hangs it for us. So see it up, elevate it, and let it fly. But uh, I'll work more mechanical. I don't like to do a ton of mechanical work with the high school guys because they've already developed their swing. Now, if they're rolling over heavy, we can do some stuff here and there. But we need to talk about approach and mental side of it more than mechanics because their swing's not going to change a whole bunch. We might move their hands a little bit, widen out, shrink. But, I mean, you look at a, a senior in high school and you ask him to pull footage from 12U swing, you can tell it's his swing. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you say, you know, the to hit to, to hit against Velo, you got to hit, hit against Velo. Um, I was actually having this conversation not too long ago with that – the same kid I was telling you about earlier that went to the University of Buffalo, there have been studies done that show um, like when a team comes out and is struggling to hit early in a game, but then, you know, near the end of the game, they tune, tune it up a little bit and they really pick up. They were doing studies about your brain's ability to process things at game speed. And, you know, it's all well and good to do a warm up to get your body loose and get your body ready to go. It's another thing completely to get your brain in that same mode. Because you can go and take 100 cuts off a tee and a coach throwing 40 miles an hour from 40 feet away, nice, easy, lazy, you know, batting practice balls that you just get to tee off on and stuff like that. But for your brain to process and be ready to process velocity, you have to see it before you, you know, and warm your brain up to that capacity. And it was a, it was a fantastic read. And I'm, I, if I can find it, I'll, I'll post it on uh, the Twitter later. But, um, so I, I'm actually doing a study right now. I have it posted on my Twitter as well. I'll, I'll send it over to you. Um, I, I'm grabbing as many guys, 14 you and up that are willing to do it. Um, I, I heard a podcast from actually the driveline guys, they were talking about it and, Guys hit different pitches better, which we all know. Like, you have your hot and cold zones. But do hitters actually know what their hot and cold zones are? And if you prepare yourself, can you actually have more success against them? So, for me, what I'm doing is I'm having, I'm having them split up. Like, hey, one guy's just going to go through your normal warm-up routine, and then one guy's going to go through a little bit of a more diverse, hey, we're working in, out, up, down. This is what we're trying to accomplish with it. And then having them go through four BP rounds and, hey, who hit better? And then have them flip the next day of, hey, you're going to do the control round, you're going to do the test round and see who hit better and see if there is an influx of, hey, who's hitting better with it, without it, and why. So um, anybody that wants to hop in on it is more than welcome to. That sounds awesome. Like, I... I'm so fascinated by all this stuff because, I mean, when I was growing up, and I'm sure still are the same way, I mean, for like for me in high school... Get off the team for an hour, be lucky if you get on field, hit in a cage for 
30 minutes, and then we're going to go work defense, bunt coverages, and pickles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, our, I'm trying to think, like, our warm-up for a game was, you know, we'd go, we had, you know, we'd go into the gym and have, they'd have the, the, the side-by-side two-wheel jugs machine that was throwing either cutters, knuckleballs, <laughs> or splitters at you. And it, you know, if you pissed off coach the day before, he cranked it up as high as it went. So this thing, you know, it's either throwing dimes down the middle or hitting you in the hitting you in the back leg somehow. And yeah, you know, ten swings, maybe some soft toss, and all right, let's put our cleats on and get outside. And then, exactly, like our on field warm up was two ground balls each, going to you know two to first, two two turn and two. Had another coach hitting outfield stuff, and you know then we had yeah. a, like a throw around and then that half the throws didn't make sense for a baseball play, like a baseball game. And <laughs> then it was, all right, let's play. And now I'm sitting here like we're, we're doing studies on brain function and how, you know, how well the brain processes things and how we can train to be better at the stuff we're already good at. And then also train to be better at the stuff we're not that good at and understanding these things exactly. with technology. And it's, it, it's, it's mind blowing, but it's fascinating at the same time. Well, I, I saw one of the speakers at ABCA talking about it where they um, they let their guys warm up to about 80, 90 feet, and then the rest of the throws are from their position, getting loose, working different arm angles, but actually visualizing like, hey, this is where you're throwing from. Be ready to throw from this position. Right. Uh, and they, they work it in where it's a... Uh, their partner is flipping it to them and they're throwing it to first and then they work ground ball and then it, it's full speed and they work right into ground balls. And it's like that, that makes more sense than, Hey, like let's go play catch to 150 feet and okay, now I'm loose. Let's go throw it. Let's, let's go get it around. But yeah, then I, at the same time, if, if we're trying to work arm strength and get there, you're not going to do that by just throwing it 90 feet. You're not going to just get there by throwing bullpen. Like, you have to throw a long touch. you got to do the arm care stuff. Or, I mean, you're just, you're maintaining what you have. Right. You know, it, it's, <laughs> I've, I've always loved watching guys play catch that, you know, <laughs> go, go, go out to 90 feet or so, and then, you know, a couple throws a little bit longer than that. Yeah, I'm good. And then they they don't understand why the first time they take a ground ball and try to really, you know, get something behind it from third, from short, or if they're a second baseman or a shortstop, and they're, you know, maybe a little bit different arm angle that they haven't thrown from yet, and also like, oh, that's what that one didn't feel right. I don't know what's going on. Like, oh, you, you haven't done that yet today, so maybe it's something we need to think about a little bit next time we warm up for a game or warm up for practice. Exactly. You know, but I mean, we 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 structure our guys pretty well to to be ready to make game time throws. And like once, once we're actually hitting game mode, you know, we kind of put it on them. Like when you're done, like we, we're not going to like hover over you and make sure that you're, you know, running and stretching and doing everything you need to do. You're June, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors, the occasional freshmen, like your job is to make sure you're ready. When you step foot on the field for warmers, I don't want to hear like, Oh, I wasn't loose yet. Or, Oh, I'm, I'm a little tight. No, you you've have, had an hour to get ready. Yeah, you you've had time to take care of that, you know, and I don't I don't want to hear that I wasn't ready to go because we give you more than tell enough coach, time. Tell Coach Corbin that you're not ready to play. See what happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, what well, walk out for any you know any program worth their salt and say and and you know boot the thir- first three or four balls that you get, whether it's defensively or throwing, and be like, ah, I was I couldn't get down to that one. I'm a little still a little tight. Really? <laughs> that's 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 the answer, huh? 
So, you know, it's, <laughs> I love talking to stuff. It's great. Um, now from, from the catching side, we talked a little bit of approach hitting, Let, let's flip this to the other side. Now let's, let, let's talk some catching stuff. All right. Well, going into that with, with all the catchers I have, I tell them to think like a catcher, but hit like an, a left fielder. Cause every catcher likes to overthink. We start talking about, Hey, this is how we call games. This is how we sequence pitches. Well, then they go up to the plate thinking about 8,000 things rather than just trying to destroy a baseball. So that that's the analogy I use with a couple of the knuckleheads I work with. Hey, think like a catcher, hit like a left fielder. I'm absolutely stealing so, that because I have a, div- a Division <laughs> One commit this year behind the plate for me, and he can absolutely just pulverize baseballs. And everyone, But every once in a while, he looks like he's just over-processing up there. So I'm stealing that 100%. I hope you know that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but no, a lot of the stuff that I talk with guys is, hey, I want you to be able to call a game because if, if we're in summer ball or we're in high school or even in college, the guy calling pitches nine times out of ten isn't going to be standing down in the bullpen watching him warm up. So I'm not going to know if his changeup's on top or or if his curveball's working or if we can't throw an off-speed pitch for a strike. we got to be able to figure out how to work with that rather than, hey, yeah, coach, he's good to go. And coach tries to call a three-two curveball because the kid's sitting fastball and he's already dropped two on us that year. Well, coach, you can't throw that pitch right now. Well, that would have been nice to know five minutes ago, <laughs> right? Um, but no, I mean, I I try to get guys to talk to me. Hey, is he up in the box? Is he back in the box? Hey, is his swing there? Because we can only see so much from the side. Is, is he on that pitch, or is he? Is it not? Is it not there for us? So um, the big thing that I talk with guys is be in control of the game. If if they're calling games, I I challenge guys, hey, let's call fastball changeup as long as we can. And that's not them. Like, they hit a speed, we get out. Like, let's see if we can get into the fourth or fifth inning without throwing an off-speed pitch and see what happens. Like, I I think the changeup is the most deadly pitch in the world, and if you can have an effective one, you can pitch it basically into left. I mean, you don't, you don't need to have a curveball because you, you go face a pro guy with a curveball, he, he, you're going to throw one at him and he's going to look ugly and you're going to think, oh, yeah, I can get him again. You throw it belt high and it's going to go 500 feet. I mean, I think a changeup, if you have a deadly pitch with a changeup, you can pitch at any level. Yeah, I mean, I've, I had a guy who was, you know, a district section and state all-star as a jun- as a lefty junior, and he didn't throw a curveball. He for two seam, four seam cutter changeup, and I mean, was just dominant all year. Had a you know like a, a I'm pretty sure he was close to a sub one ERA for me that year. I mean, I think it. Everyone's like sit like waiting, waiting for him to throw a curveball. And the second time <laughs> we seen a team, they looked at they looked at this kid like, does he throw a curveball at all? I was like, nope. Two four cut and change. And they're like, get out of here! And they, he was just so meticulous. He was a surgeon with with all of his pitches, and it was fantastic. And we, yeah, we, and that's it's we, so much fun. And but, we we went through the growing pains of him learning one. He started to learn one going into his senior year, and he he liked to baby it. We played one of you know probably one of if not the best team in the section, and he just kind of laid one in there for. Um, kid's name was Bubba Hollins, and his family's. He's got like four relatives that have played pro ball. He's, I believe, been drafted at this point. I'm, 
not I I think he's in the minors right now somewhere. I, uh, I've I've heard, but I mean this this kid absolutely just destroyed this baseball, and I'm pretty sure it hasn't landed yet. And I like the kid's name was Teddy. He came off the field. And I was like, that's why we can't baby what we throw. Like if you're not confident, we got to put it away for the day. And he's like, no, we're gonna throw him another one. I said, you sure? He goes, absolutely. Sure enough, very very similar at bat than the kids next time at the plate. Got him got him to it. Called the curveball. And the kid swung out of his shoes at it because he threw it hard, broke hard, and it went into the dirt instead of laying it at his belt. And, yeah. you know, it was a great comeback to him. And, like, the kid kind of, like, looked back, smirked at my pitcher, and, like, they looked at each other, kind of smiling at each other, coming off the field at the end of the inning. And, like, it was cool to see it. I'm like, he goes, that kid didn't hit one off me last year. I'm like, well, you know, you're learning a new pitch. You've mastered the other ones pretty well for your age. Like, let's get to it. And I go, yeah. but but you've and learned. At bat to a bat here, you've learned. You made the mistake. Now we don't. We've we've picked up on it now. Yeah, and I mean the big thing for me is learning learning how to call a game. But then I mean the big thing for me is in high school and even in college, I was always a guy that thought going to a knee looked super lazy. You, you can't block ball. It just it doesn't work. And now with all the studies and like Tanner Swanson with the Yankees and guys that are doing it, the one knee is, it isn't like, it's smart. It, and the thing is, not every kid's going to be able to do it. So it, it's really working. I mean, your guys take bottom feeders and own the zone and be able to get the strike. Let's, let's talk about that. Would you rather a kid be able to steal six to eight strikes and give up five pass balls or would you rather him miss those strikes, maybe get one or two of them, and have no pass balls? I mean, I'm I'm looking for no pass balls. He, but the thing is, a pass ball, yes, it sucks. But at the end of the day, if you can steal six to eight strikes, that right there alone is two outs. No, no question about it. So. The thing is, like, the argument I get all the time when I talk with guys about it, the one knee down, well, he can't block the one that's way outside. Well, why does he have to block the ball that's way outside? Why is your pitcher not throwing better pitches? I mean, if you have an athletic catcher and he's down on a knee, if he's set up correctly, he can move. So if there's that's not the argument. It's... For me, when I was a catcher, I, I was hard-headed enough to say, I'm not letting anything by me. I don't care if I have to uh, butterfly kick it or be a goalie with it. I'm not letting that ball by me. So then it becomes a mental thing. But for me, like looking at it, because I've been toying with it and looking at it, I wasn't the most flexible catcher, but I was flexible enough. Well, now me being on a knee, I can feel that low strike all day long. So now I have a good pitcher like the guy you're saying. He, he's dominant with four pitches. Now I can feel even more strikes with him. Now you just got to have a bulldog behind the plate that's saying, I'm not letting things by me. Now you might have one or two. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I just had my, my high school jersey guy send me a picture of the jerseys that are going to be sent out momentarily. I answered your question incorrectly, and that's on me. I kind of zoned out looking at something, and then came back and answered the question. So, I, I apologize no, for that. I'm, I do. I, I want my guy stealing those strikes, and my catchers will actually tell you I harp on that. Like I, I yeah. expect if you're catching for me that you can block. I want you down at the bottom of the zone and just 
stealing strikes from me left and right. That's (laughs) I apologize for that little. You'd be surprised at how many guys answer that way, though. So, like I said, it didn't faze me because I'm I'm just used to it. Right. But that's the thing, like with where we're adapting, where we're learning the game so much, and doing mechanical work and learning how guys move and where they're best set for success. Let a kid go be athletic. Let him go win. And it, it's been fun. Like, I've been dabbling with the softball side of it, work, working with a couple girls, and they've just started dominating because they don't have to think about it. Like, I just let them go be an athlete. Girls Same are thing freaks, on the man. hitting side of them. Girl, girls go, are, go be an athlete. They're absolute freaks when it comes to learning stuff like that and just going out and doing it. I've had the pleasure of working yeah, with a few and, softball teams in this area, and they are – Unbelievable. Well, my biggest suggestion for anybody that's trying to get into the college game or wants to coach at the upper level, get into softball because they are looking for baseball people that have the knowledge, that have the information. I mean, get into softball. It's the same game. It's actually a little bit faster when it's played up at that upper level. It's a different fact. I mean, you're not going to have the guys sitting – absolute shots at you but they're standing a lot closer there's a lot more plays that go involved slapping is still a foreign language to me <laughs> but I, I look at the i mean having it a ball that can go north and south rather than just south left and right is it doesn't sound fun to me no no and i uh i actually one of my old coaches has basically made the statement that he has he said he knows everything about baseball. I think what he meant to say is that he's done everything he he could possibly do in the game of baseball, um, and now he oh or he is basically the the head of a softball organization out of Buffalo that has won like consecutive Pony National Championships and stuff now because he's a baseball guy and just he coaches different. You know, he was that guy that when he when he coached baseball players, he was very very like basically said I'm an asshole and only certain kids can stand playing for me and if you're if you're one of those guys you loved him if you're not he was the biggest jerk on the planet and you didn't like him and it's the same way with these softball girls but he finds girls that just want to play for him and he's got to turn people away at certain points because there's so many of them because these girls are just like I said they're they're freaks they they go out there and he grinds on them a little bit and they're like I'm going to prove to you that I can do this. So you stop grinding on me. And he's like, I've, the I've tried. Hardheadedness is hilarious. Oh yeah. It's, it's great. And like he, like I said, I mean, there's a, there's an indoor winter tournament in this. All I know is it's called the Spano dome. No team from this area had come close to winning it. He's won it like six times. Yeah. And it's just like, he gets these girls to play harder than most people think they can get girls to play. And he's just like, if you're going to play for me, you're going to play hard. Tough, tough. So like, exactly. I, I can see it, man. I can absolutely see, like I said, they're like these, these girls are studs. They want to learn and getting, getting some hard nosed baseball people in there might actually be great for the game. And <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the thing is like, I, I laugh with some of the guys, like I had some of my high school guys watch swings. I have of one of the 11 year old softball hitters that we have. Cause she's just, effortless she uses her legs perfectly the swings there she extends well and i go i wish you could do that and the guys look at me like are you kidding me i'm like no i i really wish you could do that so i mean it 
it translates both ways. I mean, the the guy that one of the guys that we have at our facility running uh, softball, his name's Kevin Blasowski. He was at uh, WT up in West Texas for a couple years. He won a national title with them. We we talk every night about, hey, how do you handle it? Like, what what's the difference? Because he's got fifty years experience in coaching. How do you handle it? What what do you teach? And he goes, it's a baseball swing. You just don't swing at rise balls. Well, that's easy enough. I, I can coach that. And then you'll learn from there. But, I mean, as far as catching goes, the big thing that I harp on my guys is steal every strike you can, develop a relationship with the umpire, throw a guy out, and look like you're having fun, and you can play at the next level. They're going to teach you exactly what to do. But the, the big thing is guys don't develop relationships with umpires. I don't remember the last time I called an umpire blue or um or sir. I call them by their name. I mean, and you get a lot farther with that when you start chirping at them. Absolutely. It's it's funny you bring that up because the times that I do call an umpire blue or ump, it's because I know him personally and, like, is a friend of mine outside. <laughs> so I don't want to be overly friendly and have anybody accuse anybody of anything. So I try to go over yeah. professional. Other than that, I'm the same way. And I know, I know the guy that I co- like the head coach of the high school is very, very much the same way. So yeah, and and I I every team that I coach on or have been a coach with, we write the names of the umpires or where they're at, the home plate, the first. We got a three or four man crew. We write down the names so guys know. So if they want to talk, hey Jake, what was that? Or where it's not. Come on, Blue, what was that? Like. What did you see there? Just so I know, like, we can have a conversation about it. It's not me arguing. Like, I want to know what you saw because I think you're an idiot. Like, and, and we can we can have those conversations and laugh with guys. I mean, I, some of the summer umps are a lot of fun to work with. I mean, the guys out in East Texas and Tyler, you can never bring a baseball team down there. Those guys out there are hilarious. They'll, they'll laugh with you. They'll make fun of the kids. They'll yell at them. I mean, it, it's a fun time. That's awesome. That, like and it's that I think I think the game needs more of that to be honest with you I really do. Yeah, I mean everybody's so hard headed. Everybody wants to chirp. These kids don't know how to trash talk anymore. They, they all get personal with it. Like it, it's hilarious. Like we we had a couple teams we played this summer that started talking, and I rattle off two things I probably shouldn't say on a podcast, and they stopped talking for the rest of the day because both teams did because I yelled at my team, said something, and then I yelled at their shortstop and said something, and then it was over with. I mean, the umpire kind of looked at me and goes, you really just say that? I don't care. I'm not working for a school right now. Yeah, that is... (laughs) Working uh, working under the banner of a school has definitely calmed me down quite a bit. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then that's, that's also my JUCO route, and then NAIA ball. I mean... Hashtag NAI versus the world is trending on Twitter, and it always will be. So, <laughs> well, I can tell you that I'm going to use that to promote this podcast now. So, that in the uh, well, what, what sh- is it? Shout out Robbie Gutierrez down with NAI Ball. <laughs> follow them if you want some funny stuff because they post some great stuff. Listen, I one one of my favorite parts of baseball Twitter are like the like the the humorous accounts. Like, there's the one account that's out there that like, oh, just Coach you know, Casey Smith. If, if you want a laugh, it's Coach Casey Smith. He is a travel ball coach that speaks 
his mind, and it is one of the funniest accounts on Twitter. He will trash talk players. He'll talk about, oh, we're we're drinking protein for breakfast. Like, yes, I don't that's care that's what I was going like, to talk about. Like he said, he, yeah. he said he was having his guys do like reps of two thirty five bench press, and if you can't get at least three reps, get out. You're not on my team. Type stuff. I'm dying. Exactly. It's great. He, he, oh, it's just it, it's so funny when it comes to that type of stuff. So, um, Eric Sim is a former minor leaguer. He's another great one to oh, follow. He's, he's just, fantastic. I fo- I follow him too. Yeah, so those that type of stuff. I mean, baseball needs more of it, but the problem is, like, the old school game. I mean, I, I look at... We have access to all their social media, so you can't watch a kid's home run, or you can't watch a guy hit a home run. They, it's just, it's so terrible right now for baseball. I mean... Like John Smoltz and those guys, all they do is bash the new because all they want to do is oh that wouldn't play. Well, you weren't facing ninety six. But now, if you get past the seventh inning and don't see a hundred on the gun, they don't have. take the mound for some reason exactly and he's still 92 93 well i can tell you my man this has been a lot of fun the top end of the time frame that i like to sit at we're just under an hour this has been an absolute riot i've had a blast talking to you i would love to have you on again and anytime uh, if anybody has any requests or wants to talk i am always free game i answer pretty much within an hour as far as let's talk about whatever you need to so if anyone has any questions comments concerns wants to call me an idiot go ahead i'm fine with it yeah and so i usually let my uh, my guests wrap it up with a little with any kind of shout out they want to put out there any kind of you know promotion anything like that anything you want to say anybody you want to say hi to stuff like that and then uh, we'll we'll wrap it up and get out of here no absolutely i mean we kind of touched on it earlier I, i'm running a um trial data analysis stuff so if you want to get involved with it it's on my twitter it's a dropbox um uh, i'll pass it along here as well um but feel free to join in reach out to me let me know you're joining in and um the more data we get i'm going to send it to everybody that gets involved so they can kind of be a part of it and see it so it gives the non-nlb or non-college guys a chance to be a part of something for free and kind of get my name out there and gives those the opportunity to keep growing together awesome and uh as always for my you know, my consistent listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Uh, shout out again to Brandon Eaton with Stinger Sports. Uh, he was actually the guy that, middle of the show, he sent me the picture of the jerseys that Lancaster's going to be wearing this year, and they look fantastic. So uh, be sure to go over there, check them out. Stinger Sports, uh, Stinger Bat Company, they do fantastic work, custom jerseys, and not just baseball and softball, they do it for everything. Awesome custom bats, custom gloves. Their batting gloves are top-notch. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next time.